Hey there, it is your friend Tig, and I have some hopefully really good news for you. It's really good news for me, and that is that I'm finally going on tour again. I have been home, not performing for, I mean, is it coming up on two years? I know it's over a year and a half, and it's been really nice spending time with my family and getting to podcast, but ah, it will be really nice to be on stage in these different cities touring again. My tour is called Hello Again, and there's a reason it's called that, and you'll have to come to the show to find out. Isn't that a fun puzzle? Maybe some of you can figure it out on your own. You're like, oh, I know why this is called Hello Again, because she's returning to stand-up. Well, yeah, there's that, but also there's another reason. And maybe you know already what that other reason is, but maybe you don't. And maybe you're like, I got to go. I got to go get tickets to this show. I got to find out why this tour is called Hello Again. Go to tignotaro.com. It will all be listed there. And if your city isn't there, then likely I went to it in the minor market tour, or it's going to be added in the coming weeks or months. But keep checking back and I'm always regularly at Largo in Los Angeles. So you can you can see me there pretty much every month. But get tickets for the Hello Again tour and um come say hello again to my face. But just don't be weird when you do it. All right. On with the show. So you guys just got to keep podcasting around the clock. Yeah, I yes, exactly. Although it is the one thing that we do kind of get testy with each other at the beginning of often. Yeah. Of the podcast. Yes. Well, well, also because, you know, Meredith wants things to be ready. So are you is this plugged in? Is this plugged in? I'm like, "Yes, just do." Yeah. So well, It's not like yeah. I want them to be ready. I want them to be done correctly. She so wants that them we- to be plugged in. Thank you. I want your ear pods in. If you want to call it ready, call it ready. I'm hearing it as plugged in. (laughs) She just wants it plugged in, Patton. That's right. This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro reminding you that since you get this podcast for free, my advice isn't even worth two cents. (laughs) With me right now is Hollywood super duper couple, Patton Oswalt and Meredith Salinger. Hello, Tig. (laughs) Hi, Tig. (laughs) Hi. Now, listeners, you know Patton as an Emmy-winning stand-up comedian, the voice of Remy and Disney's Ratatouille, and countless other movies and TV shows. Meredith is an actor who appeared in Will and Grace, Grey's Anatomy. And also, she's done voiceover work on everything from My Little Pony to Star Wars. (laughs) Together, they also host the podcast, Did You Get My Text? Meredith and Patton, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you for having us. We are thrilled to be here with you. Are you? Yes. And I know that you have a whole thing about texting and that you don't particularly like when people text you. 
And that's the whole reason Pat and I even have a podcast is because we only communicate by text. <laughs> Wait, in your relationship? I mean, we don't only communicate by text, but pretty much mostly. <laughs> How is that even possible? Well, he'll be in one room uh-huh. doing something and I'll be in a different room. And instead of like walking over to say something, it you just text it. Yeah. We don't see each other most of the day because everybody's doing something. Right. But I have to say the other day, we were not in different rooms. We were in bed together. Our backs were to each other. <laughs> I was looking at my phone. No. He was looking at his no, phone. Wait, no. wait. He wanted to show me something on his phone. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, look. Like he wanted me to turn over and look at the phone. <laughs> and I was in such a good, comfortable, yep. cozy position <laughs> that I was like, I, uh, can you can you either put it in front of my face or just could you just text it to me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he did. He actually texted me. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's terrible. Yep. Now, just to be clear, it's not that I don't like for somebody to text me. It's just that I'm not great at the ongoing texting communication. But were it not for a text, you might not have fallen in love with your wife. Mm, That's true. Mm -hmm. And same for you. You two. I know. Yes. If it weren't for the evil Facebook corporation, we would not be a married couple. (laughs) That's right. So we were brought together by evil. That's so crazy. Do people know that story? People know the story, yeah. okay. They know the story. I told her that I just don't really like texting, and, and she happened to not either. And then we couldn't stop texting each other. See? And now we have two children, and we're going into year nine. Year nine? I mean, we're going into it. That's how Stephanie says it, so that's how I say it. We're going Going into into year nine. Damn. Yeah. She likes to round up. (laughs) Well, I thought it was shorter because I met you, I think, either like the second Pat and I got engaged or something like recently afterward. Yeah. You were just joining our relationship. Yeah. I like that. It was so sweet. And you've been a really wonderful surprise addition to our relationship, Meredith. I just love you guys. There's no one I want to talk to more when I go to a place that has lots of people. <laughs> and we're and always then I see there. You guys. Yeah. Yeah. And then we just huddle in a corner <laughs> by ourselves. <laughs> I said to Stephanie one time, what is it about Meredith? I feel like on the surface level, I don't think people would pair us up as like, oh, here's your new pal. But Stephanie said... I know exactly what it is. I know exactly why you're drawn to her. And I said, what is that? And she said, she gets right into the business right away. There's not small talk. No small talk. She goes in and she stays in there and she <laughs> she wants to be there. And that's where I function best. I'm terrible at small talk. But you showed up and you're just like, boom, <laughs> boom. Here's some information. Give me your information. I got more information here. My thoughts on that. And I was like... Stephanie, you're completely right. That is what appeals to me about you. And I'm sure that's probably what appealed to you, Patton, right? Yeah, she's very upfront and straightforward. And what seems very bubbly and light actually has amazing depth to it. It's light with depth, which is a rare combination. It's pretty great. Yeah, that's what my wife has as well. So, Oh, yeah. It's a nice combo. Now, you two are a married couple. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you work together. So how do you juggle those two different relationships to one another? Actually, we've done like regular work together stuff too, like voiceover stuff. Yeah. 
but that doesn't really count because it's always so short. Like you mentioned mm-hmm. Will and Grace. That's hilarious to me that that's the credit because I'm like <laughs> in Will and Grace for like one scene. Yeah. <laughs> like starting my career. Listen. Like, starring in movies. You have to mention like, it. Will and Grace. <laughs> one of the big things for me is that people recognize me from is The Office. And I'm like, I forgot I was even on that. Wow. It's barely anything. People are like, oh, yeah, you're from The Office. What? But do you have more plans to work together? I wrote a show that we just sold, like, right before coronavirus. and I remember you telling me about that. Oh, yeah. And um, it's based on our life. And I said, babe, you could play this. He's like, I don't know. I'm like, you don't (laughs) want to play you? (laughs) It's not really him. It's a fictionalized version. Sure, sure. I'm familiar Um, with Hollywood. But I'm like, that's cool. John Ross Bowie will do it. (laughs) (laughs) so pat you completely jumped out of this project you're like no i mean i'm exec producing it and you know we're um consulting on it and all that stuff he doesn't know yet yeah i want to get the details i want breaking news on don't ask tig okay (laughs) what's gonna happen right now is pat's gonna go yes i do want to do it and i'm gonna go babe you told me you didn't and i've offered it to someone else (laughs) that's cool i still love you Maybe you can be like a janitor at the school. Ooh, we'll see. I'll, that'd be fun. Janitor, great. <laughs> I'll fun. take that. I love a little recurring role. Yeah, I know those little best. fun roles like that. Ugh. Yes, that's I'll fun. sweep up a floor. Yeah, man. Now, Mayor Bear, you became a mother when you married Patton. I did. It was the best thing ever. Oh, my God. I have the best karma in the <laughs> world. I got the perfect baby. She's I like, haven't heard that song in a long time, to be fair. <laughs> it's my favorite song. <laughs> I mean, listen, I would not have married him if I wasn't madly in love with Alice because mm-hmm. she lost her mom. Mm-hmm. So I got her when she was eight years old, perfectly formed and perfectly created already. Yes. She's just the right amount of mischievous and she's just the right amount of like funny, naughty. Uh-huh. She's so thoughtful and kind and and snuggly, like even at mm-hmm. eight. But now yeah. she's not eight anymore. Now she's 12. Yeah, time moves on. But she's still like that. She's still all those good things. How did you two approach that aspect of your marriage? First of all, just in general, in my personal life, I am anti-mare extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. My sister has four girls. I have so many kids in my life. I love kids. You've become more than- my aunt. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. like if you're at a barbecue and there's lots of parents around and someone's got a kid, like, hand me the kid. I'd rather be with the kid than the <laughs> adult. But anyway, so- Give I, me the kid's number so I can text the kid. <laughs> that's when it becomes problematic. When then it's a little There's weird. an adult that's like, can I yeah. get your number? No. I wanted to meet Alice just as like buddies, like uh-huh. as a play date. I didn't want to meet her as like Patton's girlfriend because that's mm-hmm. weird. And so Patton was brilliant and had this great idea to show her a movie I did when I was a little girl. It was called The Journey of Natty Gan. And, and it's about this very empowered, strong, scrappy girl from the 1930s who travels across country in search of a father with what's very female empowering film mm-hmm. and great and great for kids. And it's a Disney movie. So he showed it to her. And afterward, he was like, you know, I know that girl if you ever want to meet her. And she's like, oh, my God, you know her? And then he's like, you know, I'm friends with her. She could come over for a play date. And so I went over to their house, not to see Patton. I brought a huge basket 
of like arts and crafts stuff, like little fairy houses and like feathers and puffballs and sequins and paint and and glitter so that we could like sit down and have just one-on-one craft. She did the same thing first time she came to our house, Pat. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) She brought all the glitter and the little trolls and everything. Yeah. And we just had fun and it was just like an arts and crafts play date. And then, Uh and I was like, this was so much fun. I was like, we should do this again. And she's like, yeah, let's do it again. And I was like, we could have a sleepover. And then she was like, yeah. And then the next time I came over, I didn't talk to Patton at all. Like he was there. We all had dinner together. Mm -hmm. But for the sleepover part, I brought a sleeping bag and I slept on the floor in her room next to her bed. And before we went to bed, she had like this cute little stuffed animal otter. Uh And she goes, you can sleep with my otter if you want. And I was like, Ugh. like on the outside, I was so cool. I was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. And on the inside, I'm like, oh my God, this is the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> and then we were like laughing and giggling. And then Pat was like, you girls be quiet, like acting like we were being silly little kids. And then we just were pals. And then we all went to Disneyland together. And then over time, Patton eventually said to Alice, like, I know I've fallen really in like- love with your friend. Well, he's like, I know you really like Meredith, and I know she really likes you. And he's uh, like, would it be okay if I asked her out? Da, 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 da. Yeah. And she's like, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. That's incredible. It was wow. really cute. Very well mapped out is how we did it. Yeah. And also, just at its core, beyond, you know, a good way for to acclimate, you know, Meredith and Alice each other, it was just a fun afternoon. Like, that's the main memory is that they just hung out and had a great time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's so incredible. Yeah. It's such a tricky thing. Her mom is very much part of our lives. Like, mm-hmm. we are on the same team. She passed me the baton. Like, Patton's like, oh, she got everything she wanted. She was madly in love. She had the man of her dreams. She got the cutest kids. She wrote a book that was like a New York Times bestseller. And she's like, I'm out. I'm going to go have tea with Truman Capote. <laughs> and you raise the teenage part. Like, here, you take over now. <laughs> right. Are you ready for the teenage part? Ugh, I don't. I mean, we're very worried because some of our friends have teenagers that are so cool, and quite frankly, some of our friends have teenagers that. So we're <laughs> hoping it goes through trouble times. Yes. Yeah. As they do. It's one of those things where it's like you know, my sons are five now, and of course, I want to experience every moment of life with them, but I also kind of want to just fast forward past the rough times and be like. All right, who do we have here? How is everything? How's everyone feeling? Yeah. Now, uh, Meredith, in addition to acting, uh, you work as a mediator. Yeah. In around 2009, well, I started acting very young. I was eight years Mm -hmm. old, well, professionally 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And working as an actress, took time off to go to college, came back, you know, booking pilot, pilot, pilot that didn't go. And there was like a slow time in around 2009. And my Mm -hmm. parents were like, you're too smart just to be sitting around waiting. Mm -hmm. So I went to this Strauss Institute of Dispute Resolution at Pepperdine Law School and got my certificate in mediation and ended up like mediating 200 cases throughout Los Angeles. And I loved it and it was super invigorating and it was great and I was really good at it. And it's like a natural part of my personality anyway to like mediate between fighting forces. Mm -hmm. But then I got a series that was like picked up for 80 episodes. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're so like, I was like, see ya. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. What do you think that you learned about conflict resolution from your mediation work? Like what, what sort of tips or advice can you give people? I would say like you really have to 
understand what each person wants. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, they somehow usually want the same thing. They just have different ideas about how they're going to go about getting it. My brother's a lawyer, and he said to me once, he's like, how's mediation going? I'm like, it's great. I love it. And he's like, so both your parties are upset when they leave. I'm like, no. Both my parties are actually quite happy when they leave. And he's like, that's not normal for mediation. Usually it's a compromise and nobody's happy. I'm like, not the way I do it. (laughs) So what do you do? Give the goods. I feel like it's just a way to speak to people to be like, you have to look at this, you know, like sincerely get to Mm -hmm. understand them, sincerely talk to them. Yes. If you are in that situation, it really does make a difference how you speak to each other how you connect with each other. Yeah. And Patton, how do you feel about Meredith's conflict resolution? Uh, I'm very, very grateful for it. <laughs> I tend to burrow into things when I'm upset, and she's really, really good at staving off a lot of that silliness. What does burrow into things mean? Just stuff that I get upset about or obsessed with, and uh-huh. I, I won't let things go. Like, I mean, I think part of it, there's an advantage to that as a comedian. You chew on something and really get into it. But yeah. a lot of times... What might be advantageous to you creatively might not be a boon personally. Mm -hmm. So um, she's really good at switching that off. And also she said really early on, I remember we were talking, I was asking what is it like to do conflict resolution? And she used a phrase, I go sit up in the balcony and I look down at everything. Like the mindset of I'm going to go up and sit in the balcony and look at it that way. That is such a great mindset to get into Mm -hmm. when you're upset about something. Well, it's very Zen. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Patton, um, you got stand-up, you got acting and everything else. I mean, you got a lot going on, sir. Mm-hmm. Constantly working. How do you have the energy to do all that you do and still, how are you a father and husband and how do you do it? It takes a lot of planning ahead. It's like I plan ahead to be present in the moment. I know that sounds contradictory, but it's like, well, when I get home this day, then if these three days are free, I'm going to make sure to do something with Alice and Meredith. A lot of scheduling. And also, when he's home, he really is a devoted, thoughtful person. He always does for others. He's very mm-hmm. caring and kind. And I'm just, and I'm crazy about hanging out with her. She's a real, I mean, not to brag, she's a really cool person, you know? Yeah. And she's been cool since she was a baby. She was just this really fun, goofy Package of endorphins. She's a little, she's a little <laughs> there Muppet, is so. nothing better than a cool baby. She's oh so my cool. god! Yeah, just the best. The best. Yeah. It's it's a lot. You're you're right though. It's a lot of scheduling. I know for myself, that's that's key to everything. Is just looking down the road, whether it's yeah. an hour, a day, a week, a year. I mean, really trying to think about how to place all of these important and not so important things in their right little areas. Yes. Patton and Meredith, it's time to hear from our listeners and yeah, to do our best to help them out with their issues. Are you ready? Mm, Let's help them out. Given that you both have a podcast about texting, I have complete faith. The two of you will have a great answer to our first question. Travis in Orlando, Florida, right? Travis? I know, I do too. It's so good <laughs> to hear from him. Patton, do you know Travis? Well, I, I know of him and let's just leave it at that. Okay, so Travis writes, how can I talk to my family about etiquette in the family group text? I love getting photos of my niece dressed up for her first soccer game or even 
what my sister had for lunch, but I also often receive updates that some person I've never heard of had triplets or that so-and-so I haven't seen in decades had a fender bender. How can I gently suggest we keep the content to stuff that's relevant to everyone rather than community news I frankly don't care about? (laughs) I have a feeling I'll just need to suck it up, but would welcome any input on how to handle or reframe my thinking. Hmm. I hear you. Even though it's not a big problem, all of the texting and those chains and stuff. I mean, I have some chains with some old high school friends that I'm still close with now. And I have a chain with my family in Mississippi and Louisiana. But we just chime in about something relevant and important. I think that's what Travis wants. I would lose my mind if I was Travis. So Uh. all I'm doing is chiming in to say, I understand, even though it might seem like a small problem. Meredith, do you have 20 huge chains going? Yeah, I've got some threads going with different groups of people and family and friends. And does it get to be a bit much or? Well, I put the people on threads, the lot of threads, I put them on do not disturb so that when I choose to look at my phone, Mm. I won't get bombarded with random stuff all day. But, you know, if it's on do not disturb, then you can look at it at your leisure Ah. and just scroll through and not make it be a big issue. I did not know that that was an option. What also sucks is that a lot of people on that thread probably don't know that they're doing stuff like that. Like they just think that it could be a mistake. Yeah, it could be a mistake. Or they just don't understand how threads work, the older aunt and everything. And then if you point it out, then they get all panicky and and freaked out. You know what I mean? But also with an older relative, they might think it's important. It might be important to them. Like they need to talk to someone. Oh, Karen next door. Her dog died in a car crash. (laughs) This is Meredith's uh, VO audition. Right. She's very old. I don't know how she uses text messaging at all. That woman is old. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's something interesting to think about is if you have maybe a busier life or other things going on, this stuff might not seem important to you, whereas maybe if you don't have as much interaction with the world. It sounds like you do might have you might have to suck it up, Travis. I don't think it's terrible if you just wrote, "Hey guys, if you want to put this on a different thread or take me off this text thread or something like that." It's a little rude. Yeah, I don't think it's worth it to upset yeah, maybe uh, Aunt Myrtle, you know. <laughs> oh I, my. <laughs> oh, I want you to know about this fender bender. Someone listen to this. I thought that he was going to be complaining about there's always the one family member that is forwarding weird stuff about here's how the election was stolen or here's it. You're just like, oh, Oh. no. Like, is is that one of the people in the thread? Oh, yeah. I guess not. The word was inappropriate. So is it like maybe Aunt Myrtle's sending some crotch shots? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe there's like a 13-year-old daughter like. Although she probably wouldn't do that. Let her grandparents no. see her all duck-faced out? I don't think so. <laughs> duck-faced out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I need to do some duck-faced photos of myself. That's what you're reminding me to do. Um, Travis, I say suck it up. Do you, Meredith and Pat, do you agree? Suck it up and put it on Do Not Disturb. How much time of the day is this taking for you to do? No one's forcing you to read. Just scroll through quickly. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, this brings up maybe Travis doesn't have a lot going on, in which case then <laughs> read about these triplets and these fender benders. All right, Travis? Poor dog. <laughs> Travis, that's how you should handle it. Thanks for writing in. And Pat and Meredith, we're going to take a break and return with more questions. Ooh, fun. And we're back with more questions. Patton and Meredith, before I ask this next question, do you have any plans to be one of those couples that gets married all over again down the road? That has nothing to do with um, the next question. What do you say, Patton? I have my personal opinion. Go ahead. You go first. Um, I don't believe in those like big public celebrations of it. But if you, if you, the two of you, you already had all your friends come out and do that. Any like re-strengthening of vows or, or celebrating being together, that should just be between the two of you down the road. I don't think you need to have a re-wedding. I don't think you need to redo your vows, but have a huge party again to just be like, you guys, can you believe we made it 10 years already? Woohoo! Yeah, I'm all for, like, have a party. I mean, we got married in Mississippi, and I would do that all over again. We talk about it all yeah. the time, how we don't know what year, if it's going to be the 10 year or what. But it would be so fun to have a big blowout again. Yeah. This has nothing to do with the following question, except for marriage. Um, so I was just curious because I personally wonder. Yeah. No, I don't want to revow it, but I'm happy to um, reparty. I agree. Private yeah. revow it. Public party yeah. your face yes. off. Yes. All right. Jen writes, <laughs> my best friend of almost 20 years is getting married and I am her matron of honor. We are such good friends that I've been thinking of the toast I'm supposed to give her for longer than she has known her fiancé. So the pressure is on. I have a million ideas about stories I could share, but I don't want the speech to be a complete inside joke. I know I'm supposed to make the toast about the happy couple, but I also want to make it an ode to our friendship as well as to her individually. Okay. All right. Yes. As she made the speech she gave for me at my own wedding. I'm not necessarily nervous, but I would love any tips you have and any stories you have about the best wedding toasts you've heard. And I don't think this is a popular opinion, but I'm not the biggest fan of turning weddings into open mics and like (laughs) making it totally silly and hilarious, like through and through. I really love earnest speeches. I love humor peppered in. And of course, if there's a, a genuine, authentic story that is hilarious and and you want to tell that, but don't go in with this feeling of like, I got to kill. I got to destroy mm. this audience. I am going to crack everyone up because that's my personal taste is I love being touched by people's speeches and their mm-hmm. earnest thoughts and feelings. I have been the uh, maid of honor and mm-hmm. the bridesmaid at so many weddings. Mm-hmm. And two particularly of my best friends got married. And I remember, like, obviously, I'm the best friend. You're going to get up and you're going to say something. And I knew and I was going to say and I was so happy to say because I love my friends so much and all this stuff. 
But I get so emotionally invested Mm -hmm. and overwhelmed with situations like that. Like I just was so happy for – and I was just – I got up and I was like – and I couldn't speak. And then I was like, I can't do it. And then I kind of sat down next to her and bawling into her ear going, I was going to give this great speech. I just want you to know how much I love you and I'm so happy for you. And that was my – I like gave the whole speech into her ear crying with her and her husband because I couldn't – I couldn't do it. And that happened at two weddings. I literally got up and then I was like, I can't do it. (laughs) But like, it was the most touching for both the brides. They were like, I love you. Thank you. Like, yeah, that's great. I love that. And I think it's so awesome and a fun little refreshing moment when some hilarious story or memory comes flying out or in addition to something. But I think it's so nice when you give earnest speeches, but that's just me. Patton, what do you think? I like an earnest speech at an event like that when someone is going up and you can see that they have that goal of slaying the room and being like the highlight of the ceremony. The ceremony is not about you. You don't need to be the highlight. You're there to support the other people. And the best speech I ever saw was at my friend Chris Tallman's wedding. His father went up and just was very, he was very light and he Mm -hmm. was very charming but he was also very, very sincere, didn't get mawkish, but he just told a very simple story about, you know, I remember him, I used to walk him to school and then there came the day when he wanted to go with his friends by himself. And I'm like, oh, he's growing up. I don't want him to, give me just one more day of him as a little kid. And like every adult in the room was just devastated. And then um, <laughs> then he ended with that line from uh, Finding Nemo, which is go and have an adventure. And that is what I'm saying. And People were like, I mean, it, it just, just devastated the room. He wasn't going for laughs. He also wasn't going for tears. Yeah. He was just talking like a person and he was just talking to his son. That's the other thing too. When you get up to do a wedding dedication, talk to the couple. Don't talk to the room. Mm-hmm. You're just talking to them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's my favorite because yeah. those moments are going to happen genuinely and authentically when you make somebody laugh or you make somebody yes. cry. But if you just... Yes really allow that moment to be earnest. I think it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jen, cheers to you. <laughs> okay. All right. We have our last question, which was sent by Anna. Anna! Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Anna. <laughs> I'm not falling for this again, Meredith. I am not falling for this. Don't even try. I might be thinking of Anna from Orlando. This is just Anna. Sorry. Go ahead. I don't know where this woman is from, but she needs help. Anna says, I work with a very sweet old man who for the past five years has given me two coffee-flavored Werther's caramels every time he sees me. I don't like these candies, and I usually end up secretly throwing them away. I feel guilty, but I don't know how to tell him that I don't want his candy, especially since I've been accepting them for so long. What should I do? Anna, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Anna, he doesn't care if you are eating the candies or not. The joy he's getting is from giving you the candies. Let him do that and then throw them away and don't think twice about it. You're making him happy taking the candy. My grandmother gave me pop-up books until I was 15 uh, because when I was a little kid, I loved pop-up books. So she was so overjoyed to give them to me that I never once went, hey, I'm, I'm not into pop-up books anymore. It, it, it was more about when people get to a certain age, the gifts are more about making them happy than making you happy. 
Yes. You did, you did enough good stuff in your life. And let's really think about this, Anna. Let's picture old man, you know, grandfather time here. Right. He comes up to you and he's handing you two of the coffee-flavored caramels. He loves those. They're his favorite. Yeah. Yes, and he clearly loves you. He thinks you're special. Yeah. And so as he's handing you these candies, you're telling me. (laughs) You're going to put your hand up, and you're going to say, I don't want your candy. (gasps) This is what you said in your question. How do I tell him that I don't want his candy? That's like saying, I don't want your love. I don't want your attention. I don't want what you're giving, the vibes you're giving. Yeah, how do you tell him? You don't tell him. By the way, not to get morbid, but any day he could die. He's not going to die, Patton. Don't talk well, like that. But I'm saying, do you want his last memory? The last thing that is said to him is, by the way, all those candies that you gave me, I never wanted them. I never liked They're them. They're in a trash can. They're, They're in I a trash can. Every single day. And then, and then he dies. And that's, and that's what you have sent him into the <laughs> netherworld with, that you are a messenger of doom and depression. What if you kill him? Right. When you say no, when you put your hand up, he has a heart attack. His heart could Or he dies of a broken heart. (gasps) That. Here's the thing. Do not throw these candies away. Yes. You take them and you smile at him. You say, thank you. Put them in a jar. Okay. Give them either to somebody else or give them back to him and say, I have been waiting to give you your he'll never know if you bought him he doesn't know where these candies he's not going to be like why are these my candies <laughs> see i can do voice here's over what i too, think Mary. is happening go ahead Patton. the candies that he's giving you were candies that were given to him as a boy in the late 1800s no. <laughs> by another old person and then he being a nice person was like thank you so much then he saved them and now that he's older he's given them to you you save them you grow old you find a young person to give them to and it's a thread through time yes and you sit on those candies for decades like <laughs> old man rivers been doing those have been melting in his pockets forever by the way, I mean, I am a vegan person. It seems like I probably couldn't have these, but I did love those at one time. Vegans can have caramel, can't they? I don't know. It's not an animal product. Well, I don't know if there's dairy in there somewhere. I'm sure if it's if it's a milk-flavored coffee, it is a some kind of chemical that creates a milk taste and has nothing to do with actual dairy. Mm, sounds delicious. No actual <laughs> cow milk was ever used. <laughs> I'm certain so a robot So for vegans, it's safe this. to gobble those chemicals. Oh, my God, another one, Tig. A robot, an old man. <laughs> Hello, I have a candy for you. This is an ethical candy. No living thing was used in its manufacture that's right (laughs) bless the beast and children (laughs) oh my gosh guys you're not going to believe this breaking news alert none of us got the job the voiceover job for the robot man (laughs) come on so frustrating how about this one Uh, hello i'm a different robot (laughs) (laughs) what are you a jerry lewis robot (laughs) yes yes i am Thank you. Nobody's ever guessed that until now. (laughs) Anna, write us back, of course, handwritten to my home Mm -hmm. address and let us know. Actually, send it to Pat and Meredith's house. Uh, Handwritten. (laughs) Let us know how he reacts. That's it for listener questions. Meredith and Patton, that's it. I, I do have one more thing, though, that I need to ask you that came in from what we call advice of yesteryear. Oh. When Jerry brags about taking Ginny out, 
He learns that she dates all the boys. So as we see now, menstruation is just one routine step in a normal and natural cycle. How do you choose a date? Well, one thing you can consider is look. I did everything you said, but my boss still hasn't asked me to lunch. Okay, this question comes to us from 1961 from Damn. Eleanor Roosevelt's advice column, If You Ask Me. <laughs> okay? And we try to listen to old advice and maybe give newer, more updated advice or just, you know, discuss, right? Right. So here's the question. Is there any particular event you would especially like to live to see, such as a cure for cancer or man's reaching the moon? Does one thing more than others fire your imagination? Isn't that interesting? Here's something that blows my... I love thinking of different historical dates that line up with another and they didn't overlap. Here's one that blows my mind, and I tell people this all the time. Okay. What, what? And people love this. JFK was assassinated in 1963. Mm -hmm. The Beatles came to America in 1964. He did not experience Beatle mania. He doesn't know who John Lennon is. He doesn't know who Paul McCartney is. Right. And really has no clue about Yoko Ono. Okay. No, good. No, no. really doesn't. No. Uh, uh, I don't know who uh, Yoko Ono is uh, or any of these, any of these fellas, but their hair is quite wild and I hear their music is very catchy. Wow. I can't believe the amount of voiceover work (laughs) we are going to be getting. It was like he was in the room, was he? He was like uncanny. (laughs) Oh, it's, it's really (laughs) freaky. So I would love to live to see... And please don't roll your eyes at me. I would love to live to see the day that everybody was plant-based and we saved the planet. We saved animals. We saved our health. I would love to see that day. Yeah. Yeah. And in turn, that would knock out cancer. Probably. Or it would reduce it greatly. Cure a lot of diseases. It would fix climate change. It would do so much. Oh my gosh. So much. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd all look so good. Our skin would be clear. What would you love to live to see? I would love to see everybody actually want the best for the country. I would love to see everybody actually want to make things better. But the Republicans are making me very sad. I wish people could just, (laughs) you know, actually care about education and lifting up everybody and giving a hand to everyone, regardless of race or sexual identity or social economic, all of it. I just wish there was like this calming peace Patton? I mean, I used to say stuff like, I would love to see maybe... Please do it in a voice. Okay, sure. Well, I've always said that, uh, young Tiggy, <laughs> that I'd have, I'd have loved to have seen a day when everybody <laughs> had jetpacks and they could whoosh around in the sky <laughs> like little shooting stars, you know. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> that was a good one, baby. It was, baby. I used to say uh, very naive stuff like, it would be really amazing if we had proof of life outside of our planet because it would put our world in perspective or it would be amazing if there was irrefutable evidence that there was an actual climate disaster coming so that we did the same thing we did in world war ii but for green energy but i'm at this point now it just seems that the human race post trump have gone into a you can just create whatever reality you want and it doesn't matter what facts are shown to you anymore the thing that i wish for is some as yet unexplained and unforeseeable connective event, a benign connective event 
not a horrible disaster that brings us together, but a benign connective event that pushes us forward as a species. But right now, I can't imagine what that would be uh, the way that I'm seeing the human race acting. Well, I think we all had really good answers. Mine, of course, is always the best because (laughs) I am the star of the show. That is true. Do you want to hear Eleanor Roosevelt's answer? Yes. Sure. All right. Well, stop yelling at me and listen up. (laughs) I got very excited. Let me guess. She wished that four young men from England would remake music somehow, (laughs) and they would be named after an insect, but like a punny name. Well, let me read and see what she said. Beep. I would like to live to see a firm establishment of the machinery by which we can enforce a peaceful world. I don't expect to live to see this, but the idea of what can be done if peace is really established in the world is, I think, the most exciting one that anyone can contemplate. Eleanor and I had the same answer. Mm. You, you just said it better. She said it so much more beautifully. But, you know, mine had a lot of head shaking and upsetness to it. I know. I saw it. Nobody yeah. else could see it except me and Pat, but we saw it. I know. Guys, we've reached the end of the show. Meredith and Patton, it's so it. Sad. I don't like it's that. It's been such mm. a pleasure. I know. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to be here with us. Thank you for having us on your show and yeah, just hanging out. Yeah, thank you so much. Really, the only reason, really, to just do this podcast, I just wanted to hang out with you. <laughs> now, is there anything that you would like to promote aside from peace and um, <laughs> benign events and plant-based well, obviously, our podcast, uh, Did You oh, Get yeah. My Text, is quite wonderful. Did You Get My Text. Yeah. And I am on tour. Mm-hmm. Get all the dates at PattonOswald.com. Yeah. Well, guys, what is happening is the show is ending. And I'm mm. saying once again, it was a pleasure to see you. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So good seeing you, Thank you. Today. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'll see you soon. Yes, yes? Yes. Yes, please. All right. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Before we roll the credits, listeners, I have one last special ask. Please take a quick six-minute anonymous survey to let us know what you love about the show. Help me help you by helping us know more about who you are and how we can make this show even better for you personally. Please go to AmericanPublicMedia.org slash survey to complete the survey today. That's AmericanPublicMedia.org slash survey. Thank you. Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette, Shana Deloria, and Ryan Lore. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. 
Engineering and sound mixing by Johnny Vince Evans and Eric Romani. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Production support from Pizza Shark and Dan Latou. Our theme music is Friend and Tig by Edie Burkell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Burkell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Lily Kim, Alex Shafford, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana. And I'll tell Becky. I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, <laughs> we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs>